you know, we've been a part, uh, we've been walking through a cinematic Christmas um, just last week and actually through this whole month, even the last Sunday of the month, uh, we're going to be walking through a cinematic Christmas. And uh, we've been talking about hard truths and biblical truths that are depicted in some of the old Christmas, well, most of the Christmas films, not just old Christmas films. And so uh, we're going to have a brief picture here. White Christmas. This is uh, from the film White Christmas in 1954. This song itself was dubbed by NPR as the second most important song in America in the 20th century, just behind Judy Garland's White Christmas. And it's really interesting as I... As the film started happening and then the music came on, I can see your faces. And there just seemed to be this I'm home kind of moment for you. Would you agree? It takes you home. You experienced it. This song was dubbed by Guinness Book of World Records as the world's best-selling song. This song is shrouded in parody, irony, full of nostalgia and melancholy. And its success was sheer timing. So I'd like to walk through a little bit of its history. This song was composed and penned by Irving Berlin in 1940. Irving Berlin of um, no, sh- no Business Like Show Business Blue Skies, and God Bless America fame. As a five-year-old in Russia, his family fled the Russian anti-Jewish programs that were rampant through Russia. And he and his family uh, uh, entered Ellis Island, and in 1893, they established themselves in the Jewish enclave of New York on the Lower East Side. And it was in 1893 that Irving Berlin had his first American Christmas at the invitation of some Jewish neighbor, or some Irish neighbors in the Jewish enclave. And that, that first Christmas for Irving Berlin meant something deep for him. He enjoyed every moment of experiencing Christmas for the first time as a Jewish boy. Fast forward to Christmas Eve, 1928. He had been married to his wife, Ellen McKay, for four years. And it was on Christmas Eve that Irving Berlin and Ellen McKay lost their firstborn, a son, Irving Jr. And it is said, it is legend, that Irving, from each Christmas therein, he would go and visit his son's grave. It was not the Christmas that he experienced as a five-year-old boy for the first time in 1893. But as a result of the loss of their son, the loss of their son reconciled a relationship that had been a feud for the last four years. See, back in 1924... Ellen McKay's father was disgruntled 
about the relationship between Irving and his daughter. See, Ellen McKay came from an Irish Catholic family, and her father disapproved of her even being in a relationship with a Jewish man. And so, Ellen and Irving both fled and eloped and got married. And it was because of the death of their firstborn that their, her father reconnected and their relationship was reconciled. And so, it was said that in 1940, just about 12 years later, that Irving Berlin was sitting in sunny California and he began to pen and compose the lyrics and the music to White Christmas. And it's really uncanny that Bing Crosby's version leaves out the first stanza completely. Actually, some recording artists now actually start off White Christmas with the stanza that we don't, we rarely hear. See, White Christmas was actually supposed to be a uh, parody, tongue-in-cheek, comic novelty, kind of a uh, satirical poke in the 19th century ballads. See, the first stanza reads, The sun is shining, the grass is green, the orange and palm trees sway. There's never been such a day in Beverly Hills, L.A. But it's December the 24th. And I'm longing to be up north, not in Michigan. And then the next line. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. See, white Christmas actually fell on deaf ears. It sat on the shelf from 1940 until uh, Christmas Eve, 1941 when Bing Crosby introduced A White Christmas to the listening audience on the Kraft Music Hall show. But we need to remember what happened three weeks before. A day that we observed two days ago. See, before September 11th, 2001, there was December 7th, 1941. Many of us sitting here don't even remember that day because we weren't alive. And there are many teenagers today that are upstairs and many of your kids that don't even remember September 11th because they weren't alive. But see, September 11th, or uh, December 7th, a day that lived in infamy, occurred just three weeks prior to. This was the moment in which the Japanese surprise attacked Pearl Harbor the naval base. And the United States, the next day, was jettisoned right into the already raging World War II, particularly moving into the Pacific stage. And so three weeks later, Bing sings A White Christmas. But see, A White Christmas didn't get its fame until... Holiday Inn premiered in August of 1942, almost a full year later, when A White Christmas was the centerpiece to the movie 
sung twice. No other song in the movie was sung twice except White Christmas. And then, as that movie premiered in August, here comes September. And our boys, the GIs, were halfway across the world. There was this demand from Deco Records for this song. They couldn't keep up the supply. Actually, in fact, on the home front in October, October 1st, it hit the top 30. By the end of October, it was number one. And it stayed on that high note for 11 weeks. September, three months before the holiday season, the GIs were requesting this song. The influx was there. See, Bing's words, or uh, Berlin's words and Bing's deep melancholic melancholic voice, that crooner voice, it struck a chord with millions. Millions. Not only on the war front, but on the home front. Because for the first time during World War II, families were displaced. They were distressed. And quite frankly, they were divorced of what they used to know. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas of the ones I used to know that were merry and bright. You all felt that when you watched that. I'm dreaming of that white Christmas that I used to know. Families, GIs, they long to be home. They long to be home around the table, around the tree, in the churches, with their family. Very simple, yet profound presence of one another, connecting one another. And for just a brief moment, the song only runs about two and a half, three minutes at most for a brief fleeting moment. GIs halfway across the world, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, grandmas and grandpas, the whole country, they were connected by this song. They had a moment of peace even in a war-raged world. See, just like that Christmas in 1942, the first Christmas in about 5 BCE was a Christmas of displacement. It was a a Christmas of distress and divorce from what they know. In fact, because Caesar, the Roman emperor, issued a decree to take account of all the heads of all the empire, Mary and Joseph, they left home. 
they traveled about 70 to 75 miles south from Galilee all the way to Bethlehem. Their ancestral home, where their families were from, their lines were from. And then the time had fully come. The time had fully come. The fullness of time in history. The fullness of time in Masonic preparation. The fullness of time of Jesus' gestation. The painful contractions, one after another after another. Her water breaks, and the living water is about to enter into time. Reality sets in. I'm sure many of you had that moment when the contractions were happening, the water breaks, and you go, oh no, we need to go. And many of the men were scrambling, I don't know what to do. The reality set in for Mary and Joseph. It was time. The time came. The young couple displaced and in a distant village that, quite frankly, was filled to capacity. Why? Because of the census. Everybody was going to be counted. And so, no place to go, but below someone's house, into a manger hewn out of rock, made for livestock. A cold night, and it smelled like livestock. And those wild animal witnesses were watching a moment. A moment that was simultaneously divine and human. All at the same time. And she gave birth to a firstborn son. This moment was anything but peace-filled when the Prince of Peace came into the world. In fact, this moment was a speechless moment full of pains and screams and cries. Birth is not easy. You know this. This speechless moment was the first time that the Word of God cried out. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. The time had fully come. God sent His Son for you and me and all that we see. And for the first time, God with us put flesh on. Flesh and blood, an unassuming moment that is rather poetic if you think about it. The afterbirth and the blood, the umbilical cord in a divine moment. 
for you and I. And now, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, was like His earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. Displaced from His home. He was the true prodigal son. He left His sacred geography of heaven to be among us. So that at one point, He can be in us. He made that redemptive stride across the cosmos. Became divorced of what he knew, but still divine all at the same time. Folks, just like those soldiers in 1942 that were a far cry from home, Jesus Christ was a far cry from heaven. And just like those GIs that were laying down their life, Jesus Christ Himself was born to die, to lay down His life. So, a white Christmas. For just a brief moment, that song from 1942 takes us back. It connects us. It gives us that sense of peace. Even when you're not with family, you're somehow with family when you listen to that song. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is the peace that is not just temporary and not just fleeting, but is eternal and can be possessed and received in moments that are like war in our life. When war is raging all around us, we have access to the Prince of Peace that brings peace that, quite frankly, doesn't make sense in the moment because it's eternal. And just like the irony of the song written by a Jewish immigrant who lost his son, his firstborn, on Christmas Eve. Jesus Christ, a firstborn son on Christmas Day, was about to give up his life. For God so loved the world that God himself gave his one and only son that you and I may have eternal life. Because quite frankly, all of us are longing to be home. Because you and I are a far cry from where we once were. Relationship with God. Connection with God himself. With our creator and our, our almighty. That is why Jesus Christ made that stride across the cosmos that we can become connected once again with our Creator and our God. Folks, 
I hope maybe the next time that you listen to that song, you remember the story. Not only the story of Irving and Bing and the GIs in a country in turmoil, displaced and divorced from what they used to know and the peace they received, but the story of Jesus Christ and how the Prince of Peace walked into a raging world so that we can come home with our Creator. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I love you. We love you today. We may not understand it all, and that's okay. There's a lot of things I still don't get. I thank you that we serve a God that we cannot fully know, but we can know. Lord God, I ask on behalf of all these folks that are sitting here today, whether they're having a displaced Christmas or disrupted, distressed Christmas, I ask that they reach out for you as you have reached out for them and that they connect with the Prince of Peace and they come home to you, not the church, but to you, God, through Jesus Christ, your Son. Holy Spirit, will you rest upon each household? each family and may they have a sense of peace that you are there and with them because God quite frankly you're for them you're not against them you really are for them you're for us all thank you Lord Jesus we ask these things in the wonderful wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, God is good.